Hello, and welcome to Making Problems to Solve, the podcast about curiosity, creativity, and problem solving. Today, I'm talking to Chris from Meltdown Metal Art, and I guess that pretty much explains uh, what you do. You're a metal artist. I am, yes. So I usually try to figure out where people got their start. Do you remember? Were you um, one of those people who was always making things as a kid, or did you get started a little bit later? Um, so I've always needed a creative outlet. Um, that's been something that has stuck with me since I was very young. I originally was very into music, so I played a lot of different instruments. I sang a lot and then kind of made the switch to more of like an actual physical art. And so I started painting and then over the years, it just kept kind of changing and I lost my passion for painting for a while. and. Uh, yeah, I ended up going to welding school. And so at welding school, my instructor taught me how to make my first flower, which was okay. the rose. And from there, it just kind of spiraled. Sure. Um, did you have a like creative family? Was there a lot of that kind of stuff going you know around you when you were growing up? Not at all. I'm the only artist in my okay. immediate family. <laughs> <laughs> So did did, uh, did they support uh, your like interest in uh, learning these different uh, things? My mom's always been a huge supporter uh, of me, pretty much. She's one of those people that you're like, you know what? I think I'm going to go ahead and do this. And she's like, okay, have at it. And we'll see where <laughs> it goes. And so she's always been very, very supportive of me. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. So if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, along the way, you were a mechanic in the Air Force, is that right? I was. So I was a aircraft mechanic on the F-16. So I did that for four years. And then on a medical discharge, had to uh, kind of switch gears when I was, gosh, 22 is when I got out of the Air Force. So yeah, I went to this, after that, I went to a military college called the Citadel. And I uh, got my four-year degree in criminal justice and a minor in intelligence and homeland security, which has never seen the light of day. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, most almost everybody I talk to has, you know, just a wide variety of experiences. Um, what led you to uh, be a mechanic? Did you do mechanic things before the Air Force? No. So I was a firefighter. Okay. Uh, I was a firefighter EMT. It was like my kind of first job. Mm -hmm. Um, I did like a volunteer part paid kind of deal when I got out of high school and I was like, I'm going to be a fireman. That's what I'm going to do. So I joined the military to be a firefighter and ended up getting washed out and replaced back into as a mechanic. So was not my first choice. (laughs) I was (laughs) not thrilled about it. However, I learned a ton of skills like from being a mechanic on the F-16 that has definitely translated to kind of help me out with some of the other stuff that I do today. Okay. Yeah. So you, <laughs> you became a mechanic, but then you knew that that probably wasn't going to be your lifelong career. No, no. I knew that, uh, that was not it for me. Sure. And then you, you know, you went to college, um, and learned criminal justice. Uh, what got you into the welding school? So, um, when I was 28, my life kind of had a very drastic, like, change. Um, I, I lost my house, my job, uh, my business, 
woke up on my mom's couch the next day and I looked at her and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like my whole life has changed. Like I have no idea where I'm going from here. And she said, well, that's the beauty of it. You can do whatever you want. She's like, you're 28. You can do whatever you want right now. And so I kind of sat there because, you know, for the last five years, it wasn't really about me. And I was, for the first time I sat there and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go to welding school because I owned an automotive automotive shop with Mm -hmm. uh, my partner. And so when he took the automotive shop, I was like, I did a little bit of welding in there and I really enjoyed it. And so I was like, I think I'm going to go to welding school. And so that's, that's where it started. Wow. What did you, did you have any idea of what you would do with the welding, you know, after you got finished with school? Did you have any idea of like what your career might look like or was it just an experiment? I had no, no idea. Um, I'm very bad about doing things on a whim. <laughs> that's how I joined the air force. That is how I wound it up in Oregon. Um, so I, you know, I, I kind of went to welding school and I was like, well, I'm going to learn this skill and then I'll figure out how to apply it. So I, uh, yeah. So I actually, my mindset when I went to welding school was I figured I'd probably end up in the automotive industry. So I'd probably end up doing some sort of car welding, you know, something like that. Um, but that didn't happen. (laughs) Um, I actually got hired by a company that, um, was a blacksmithing essentially was kind of their, bread and butter at the time they were making really ornamental uh light fixtures and metal furniture but they needed a welder to come in and weld kind of the more um exotic metals and so that's kind of the draw towards me and hiring me straight out of welding school all right so they just said well we just need someone who can weld uh it doesn't you don't have to have any kind of like you know experience you're not like welding a pipeline or anything so they were <laughs> able to, you know, expose you to that like new type of fabrication? Yeah. So, I mean, the welding school that I went to was for structure. And so I got on like AW, I th- no, I didn't get certified, but I was a qualified welder up to uh, pipe. So I, I could have welded pipe, but um, I was just, I, uh, by the time I got out of welding school, I was 29. And I was like, you know what, that's a, that's like a 20 year olds game. I was like, I I, I can't do it. Um, And so, yeah, when I stumbled across that light fixture uh, company, it just kind of seemed to take hold. My weld test was welding four pieces of metal together and grinding them down. And that was my weld test. They brought me back to see if I could make a fireplace like screen. Like it was kind of extreme weld test for me. I was really nervous, but they ended up, you know, realizing they're like, you're teachable. And so that was kind of their big draw for me is I was teachable and I didn't really, you know, I didn't have any bad habits. And so they brought me on and yeah, it was a really, really solid first job for sure. Cool. Did you ever learn any blacksmithing or anything from them while you were there? Oh yeah. So my mentor was Rick and he was essentially, he was the owner um, when it was, when they did gates. So they did a, all the ornamental gates in Charleston. Can You can pretty much trace back to the mentor that I had. And um, his son took over, and that's when they kind of made the shift towards uh, light fixtures. And so he was the one who taught me um, everything I know about the blacksmithing world. So it's not 
not knife making because everyone's always like, you're not a blacksmith unless you make knives. It's like, no, that's not true. That's super um, weird. <laughs> it's super weird. There's this weird like clash with like that's very well, confusing. If you're no. a blacksmith or two not, and it's just like yeah, two different uh, jobs. Completely. Um, but yeah, he's the one who taught me how to you know forge and use the big power hammer and all that stuff. The way to texture, like I had no idea about texturing metal when I first started, and so he taught me all about that as well. And that that I use every day in my own okay. work. Yeah, that makes sense because you were fabricating things, but they're also ornamental. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're not yeah. ju- you're not just sticking them together. You have to make them look, uh, you know, correct for the design. Well, that and like a lot of the stuff that we were doing was this very thin. So you, he didn't want any of the welds visible. So the big trick was you would lay a weld and then you would take as much as you could out of that weld and still have it be structural. Because you're hanging these really massive, heavy light fixtures high on the ceiling and hoping they're not going to come crashing down. So it was very, like, it was stressful at times because you'd be, like, trying to get enough of a grab on that weld to be able to shave it down to have it look invisible. So it was a tricky job at times, for sure, because they also had me working with, like, brass. And I had to weld brass to have it like completely match color. And so that was like a big, big part of my job there too. Wow. That sounds super challenging to be able to match the color. Cause I know if you apply the heat there, it's going to change the color. <laughs> and then it's it will. Cause most people use silicon bronze to weld that type of metal and silicon bronze is a filler metal that when it's on brass, it almost looks pink. And so I, we weren't allowed to use it. And so we had to cut a strip of brass from the sheet of brass that the parts were cut from in order to be able to match that color. Okay. And you were just melting that brass back, back. to itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, much? basically. Wow. Uh, what what pro- was that using? Uh, I'm not sure what kind of process that was. was it? Uh, so it, it, technically it's, uh, it's TIG. Okay. Um, some sure. people call it that. like, Kelly brazing, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's TIG. You're TIG welding. You have a filler rod and the cup and you're just dabbing along trying to get that in there. Right. You're just using the brass itself as the filler material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it super technical. A, and... a little bit like aluminum, but okay. it's, it's tough. Yeah. I've just heard of all the, all these things. I've done a tiny bit of really bad MIG welding, but I've like seen like, <laughs> other people doing it and yeah, I'm interested in learning all that stuff. So. Some oh, basic yeah, it's it's um, I, I encourage like everyone to give it a try. At least it's a very unique thing to have that much control of like high voltage and heat and stuff like that. It's a very like empowering thing, I believe. Yeah, I definitely think so. You know, just from what I've experienced and, you know, people I talk to who actually know what they're doing. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely on my list of things to do. Because, yeah, I really always or I learned after a long time that I'm interested in sculpture, you know, along, you know, back when I was going to school for graphic design. But then we had to take a sculpture class. And that was probably, you know, that sculpture and printmaking were my favorite things compared, you know, compared to graphic design. So (laughs) (laughs) I was always drawn to sculpture as well. I was always trying to figure out how to make essentially my art like painting 
because I like to use the heavy acrylic and like a lot of texture and things like that. And when sure, I was so doing that stuff, sculpting with paint, you didn't even know that there was, you know, get beyond that too. <laughs> three dimensions. Oh, yeah. Way different. <laughs> I was going to say, did you take any classes in painting or was that something, you know, did you do that for school or was it just something that you did as a, as a hobby? No. So I was really heavy into it in high school. And so I taught uh, all the art classes I could. And, um, from there, I had a very, very um, influential like teacher. Her name was Mrs. Valley, and I actually am still in contact with her today. We trade art every once in a while. Yeah, she's fabulous. But um, yeah, she really pushed me in uh, the art direction, and you know, was sure to tell me like I had, I had, I had a skill for it. And so she kind of gave me that that foundation that I work from now. Okay. But you didn't go to art school or? Nope, I'm not a professor. I don't have any kind of uh, background in art over the high school level. Right. But I mean, it sounds like, you know, she did kind of encourage you, push you in that direction, but it didn't, uh, didn't work out that way. No, at the time I thought firefighting was so cool. And so I pursued that instead. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense because even if you're, you know, have all the talent and you, you know, go to art school and you have, a uh, mentor and support in that direction doesn't mean that you can turn that into a, a job. It's there's no clear path from, you know, enjoying art and being good at it to actually making money. No. And ironically enough, I think that, um, with an art degree, I know now uh, it's, it's not just as narrow as what I'm about to make it sound, but it was kind of like you had the marketing side of things that you can make money at, or you had the teaching side of things that you can make money at in my head as a high schooler. And I was like, neither one of those things, ironically, because now I've been a teacher. Um, I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. <laughs> like, that's not where my passion lies. And now it is. But uh, back then, definitely not. So that kind of decided it for me, I think, back back when. Sure. Did you keep up um, doing any art on the side, like while you were a firefighter? Or was it did not fit in with you? No, I lost it. I lost it pretty hard. Um there for a while. I, I would every so often pick up a paintbrush, but the passion for the most part and drive for painting was completely gone. Sure. And it did, when did you kind of just figure out that you could turn metalwork into sculpture? So when I first started being interested in welding, I decided, all right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a MIG welder and I'm just going to see what I think of it. I'm just going to play around with it and try to get good. Uh, so I bought a little Hobart, a little cheap welder. Well, it used to be cheap welder at Harbor Freight and just kind of played around. Well, I got a whole bunch of uh, chain. And I started just kind of tacking the chain together and like goofy little sculptures. Like I made a, like a scorpion, a little frog and... Well, the first thing technically that I have ever sold was I turned the chain. I just welded into an S for, or yeah, an S for one of our friends to put on their front door. And that was the first thing that I ever made. And so that's kind of where the art started. Okay. And did you do that after you went to welding school or was that before? Or just Way before. So that was about okay. two years before I even started dreaming of welding school. Okay. So you, you just were like. Uh, welding, you know, it sounds like something I can do. You know, or you had you had any experience? Was that when you had experience welding at the shop? Or nope, none. 
Okay. I had no this experience. Is, I just, just I was signed. like, I was, I was, I needed a creative outlet again. I had no passion for art. And so I was like, what do I do? Like, and I was always drawn to sculpture. And I, I guess metal I thought was neat or something. And so that was kind of the route that I took. And, um, you know, I, I was, I knew people who could teach me to weld. Um, and so, and I watched YouTube video after YouTube video and kind of figured it out. So, <laughs> yeah. That's definitely one way to do it. It was one way to get started. Right. And then you obviously, then you went on to go to welding school and then be, you know, worked in that fabrication shop. Yeah. And learned, yeah. kept learning from there. Well, yeah. Um, after, let's see, after I got my fabrication job, I did that for about two years. And that's when I established Meltdown Metal Art was in 2019. And so that's when my business kind of started taking off. Once I left my fabrication job, I worked for myself for about six months and decided that I wasn't quite ready to be like a full-time artist. The money wasn't quite there. <laughs> so um, yeah. I got hired by actually Arc Labs, which was where I had graduated from welding school. And so they hired me back as an instructor. And so that's kind of where the teaching comes into play. Cool. And what, how did that happen to become a welding teacher when you, you know, originally you weren't interested in teaching? Not at all. Um, so the most fun I've had in a period of my life was at welding school. Uh, it was the first place that I felt like I really like fit in and I got along with everyone for the most part. I, it was just, it was my place. And so I went after I uh, quit my job, I went directly to the welding school to go see my old instructor and kind of talk to him. And they offered me a job on the spot. And I was like, well, I guess I'd be kind of silly to turn this down. And it was a great job. I absolutely loved it. I enjoyed the heck out of it. That's cool. Well, how did you develop your skill for teaching? Did you just, I mean, had you done anything like even casually trying to, you know, show other people how to weld or anything along the way? Um, I've always, yeah, I mean, that's when I was in welding school, you know, you're in there for a long time. You're in there for, um, nine months. No, that's too long. Six months, somewhere in there. And, um, so you're, you're, I know I can't remember. It was too long ago. <laughs> um, so you're in there for a long time. And so by the time, and they come in like in cohorts. So you'll have five people come in and start one week. And then that next week you'll have five more. And so you're staggered with other students. So you might be on TIG and more advanced while the guy next to you is struggling with stick welding on his week two. And so that kind of atmosphere naturally kind of causes you to start teaching because we might have 50 kids in, or not kids, 50 adults in the school, but we only have two instructors. So you just start kind of talking to other students. And so that is where I first, I guess you could call it kind of like not really teaching, but kind of helping other students and developing kind of that skill. Teaching just was something that came very natural to me. Uh, when we started uh, my first night at Arc Labs, I was so nervous because I was a, uh, you know, a female. 
I'm supposed to be in kind of a a role where I'm teaching a whole bunch of 20 something, 30 something year old men how to weld. I wasn't sure how, you know, how they would take me, but, um, it was amazing. Like my students were great. I still talk to my students all the time from there. Um, so that experience was, was really, you know, a a great little asset that I tuck away for whenever I, you know, want to bring out that skill again. Of course. Yeah, I think that's a really cool atmosphere where there's people who are all at all different levels, you know, in the same space. So you're able to, yeah, again, you're able to like, you know, if someone has, you're like, oh, I, I can see like why you're struggling. That happened to me too, you know, and then you can kind of share like what you've, what you've learned in your experience with them. Exactly. I think it is an awesome way to structure um, a class because also, you know what, it helps, it helps the teacher out too, because <laughs> it's like, they're not they're not stuck teaching, you know, a very basic thing that someone is already, you know, you already have 10 other individuals that have mastered that skill in that same room. So they can everyone just helps each other out. And it's really it reinforces not only that, but it also reinforces like, you know, if I haven't used that skill in a couple of weeks now because I'm on to a different process, like it kind of reinforces it when you go back and you go and you teach somebody. Yep. Yeah. And again, I think you're yeah, seeing other people make mistakes and you're like, now I remember I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So when you first started your, you know, your own business, uh, creating art, what kind of stuff were you making? Did you have a, a, a goal or a vision with that? Or were you just exploring? So at that point I was just kind of starting to explore. I was just kind of like flex in the creative muscles, so to speak. I moved into my poor mother's garage. Um, cause at the time I didn't have my own and I had this tiny little corner of a one, one car garage and a little welder and an angle grinder. And I just kind of started messing around. Uh, I did flowers at first cause that's what I knew how to do. And just from there, things just started changing. I was originally in Charleston, South Carolina. So it had a very heavy ocean theme. Everything was kind of centered around fish and jellyfish and water life and all that uh, kind of thing. Okay. And then I know that that's really a big theme of your work now is uh, different types of nature and the connections with that. Um, Was that kind of like a deliberate thing or did it just kind of developed naturally that you just kept uh, being drawn to that subject i'm just drawn to that subject um you know i i in a weird way i've always wanted to be an abstract artist Uh, but i'm terrible at it like i'm not good at it at all like i i keep trying and i'm like this is not it like the balance is off and so time out of time and time again i just turn back to the natural world and we go like mushroom hunting and we do a ton of outdoors activity. Like we live at the river uh, during the summer and, you know, we're usually like snowboarding during the winter, going for hikes. And so because it's just all around me all the time, it just really is just draws me in. Okay. Were you, were you always that, you know, I guess uh, into nature and outdoors? That crunchy. (laughs) Um, no, 
No, I don't think I, I mean, I've always been drawn to the outdoors in Charleston. I did a lot of kayaking, but I don't, I don't, I would never call myself really outdoorsy. But when I moved to Oregon, I mean, you got to be outside. It's beautiful. And so that's just, yeah, I've turned into a completely outdoors person now. Okay. So you think it's just being in that culture? Because the only thing I can relate to is uh, in New Hampshire. Um, just okay. everywhere I've gone, I've had to go to New Hampshire for like training courses and stuff. And I'd, after, mm-hmm. the, after the class was over, I'm like, okay, what do I do now? So I'd look for like a trail or something to walk on. And then at like four o'clock in the afternoon, they'd have this, uh, you know, uh, whatever, this, you know, a reservoir or something. And there's just the whole parking lot's completely packed with people. And there's always, it seems like, you know, they just have a incredible uh, focus like on the outdoors and everywhere in New Hampshire that I've been. So probably very similar. Well, yeah. And it really helps that because that's just like a thing here. And so in Charleston, obviously there's not a ton of forest or anything. You're going to the beach and I, I don't know, you know, if you're going to the beach, you're going to the inlets and things like that. So when I moved to Oregon, everyone wants to be outside. So my friends would be like, come on, we're going mushroom hunting or come on, we're going to go on a hike. And you're just like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds great. And so, you know, it just as you start doing that more and more, you're like, oh, this is definitely like part of my personality now. <laughs> I say you were able to uh, experience uh, teaching adults and, you know, and then did that help you like mm-hmm. develop your business by having like, you know, the regular job of teaching and then, you know, you develop your sculpture on the side at the same time? Or? Yeah, at that time it gave me, um, the ability to focus more on the creative side of my art and less on the selling side of my art. Cause I think at that time it was too, it was, I was living on my own. I had just bought a house. So there was just a lot of like financial burdens and it was just too stressful at that moment in my life. It was too stressful. And so I was like, I have to have another form of income so that I can get that stress off of my shoulders. Cause essentially I had a horrible artist block of like, because all I could do was be like, is this going to generate money? And I was like, that's gross. I hate that. <laughs> so, so it did, it really did help a lot. Cool. And then I know you also have taught high school. Yes. Yeah, so that was my last full-time job. Well, my last job in general was, um, uh, yeah. So that's why I came out to Oregon. Um, a buddy of mine, put me in for a job teaching welding. And so I, on a whim, sold everything, bought a trailer, loaded the dog up and drove across the country to live in Oregon. And that's when I started. I taught high school for two years. Okay. What did you, did you find it different to teach, uh, you know, high school compared to, you know, adult learners? so much different it is (laughs) night and day it is so different in so many ways (laughs) and i was not prepared for that at first (laughs) i can imagine yeah it's got to be a challenge i think that but were the kids who were in welding at least were they interested in welding they were there to still learn to weld right it wasn't like you were teaching uh you know social studies or something where everybody is forced to take it even if they don't want to well it's high school. 
No one wants, no, no high schooler wants to be in high school. Unfortunately, they want to be on their phones. They want to be with their friends. Um, but it was definitely like a class. Pe- uh, my students looked forward to, like, I got a lot of that, like, Oh, Miss Abra, like, can we just stay in well longer? Like, we don't want to go to English, you know? So, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had some extremely talented welders. My first year, I had three of my students come out and have full-time jobs uh, in welding. So that was, you know, kind of a, yeah, that was a really cool part for sure. Okay. So you were, was it a vocational course and was it expected that, you know, they'd be able to get a job from that education? That was the goal. Um, it was a very, uh, it was kind of a broken program. It was a very part-time program. And when I took it over. And so I had I had juniors and seniors that had taken four years of welding, but it wasn't getting them ready for a job. It was getting them ready to be able to, I don't know, badly weld a tractor together or something. Like it just it was very ag welding and it just wasn't what they needed in order to get a job. And so to teach someone who you only get one hour, a, you know, every four days or for four days a week to try to get them to a point where they're like going into a actual welding job is very difficult. So I did, uh, you know, my best to kind of help those juniors and seniors have the skill set to at least get them to under like get them in a really good place and maybe when they went to like an um a community college and did welding for the community college and then they would be picked up i did have by my second year though i did have them tig welding and able to pass bend tests and stuff like that so we covered a lot of ground in two years wow that's really cool yeah it was <laughs> very cool <laughs> but but i did prepared you to uh to then go full-time and, uh, with your art. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, there was a crossroads again in my life and I was trying to decide if I wanted to stay teaching high school or if I was ready to kind of give it all I got. And I was in a, I'm in a great situation right now where I'm have the freedom to kind of do that. And I knew it was time to take full advantage of it and it's gone really really good so far <laughs> so i'm very <laughs> very pleasantly surprised right now <laughs> sure. what kind of work do you, do you do like uh commission work or do you make your own like stuff for sale everything okay it's kind of everything um commission work right now is pretty slow across the board for a lot of people but i definitely do i just um let's see right before christmas i had a few commissions that i did there was one that was just a large kind of like initial brand looking sign that they wanted for the side of their house. And so I did that. And, um, but mo- most of my stuff is just going to be kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, it's just, yeah, original stuff that I'm, I'm doing. And so that tends to be what sells. Okay. How do you, how do you sell your stuff? Do you sell it online? Are you in person? Do you go to shows? So, um, I've been experimenting with absolutely everything to see what sticks. Um, I do online. Uh, that's kind of what gets you through the slow seasons is your online sales. I do. Um, I did a lot of markets last summer 
it was very market heavy. So a lot of farmers markets and stuff like that. And I learned that um, one day markets are not going to do well for the artist. Our price point's just a little too high. Uh, So I pulled out of the weekend markets this year, but um, I'm in a brewery currently. So all my stuff is on commission in a brewery. And then I will be going into a local coffee shop here soon. And so I'll have stuff up there. And then kind of the big art festivals um, are where the bread and butter are. So that will be this summer. I'm hoping to be at Art in the High Desert and um, a couple others. Cool. Yeah, I'm always curious, like how people <laughs> can turn their stuff into a uh, to actually, you know. How it's do you so it's uh, it's so much stuff. work. <laughs> it is so much work. <laughs> Certainly, yes. <laughs> you're you're pedaling. I mean, you are trying everything. I have tried everything. I think just about just trying to figure out what sticks, what doesn't. Um, there was a lot of failures, but there was uh, you know a lot of successes this past summer. So, sure. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think you, if depending on like, yeah, what the price point of your stuff is depends on if you're going to be successful, like at a farmer's market or a craft fair where it's, you know, compared to, you know, like you said, an art festival, I think maybe that is that a place where you can have a higher price point. Yeah. So the art festivals, people are going with the, the, with like the mindset, I'm going here to look at art. I'm expecting this to be the price of art. Um, craft fairs, vintage fairs, that kind of thing. Um, people are looking for a deal and don't get me wrong. I've had people fall in love with pieces and buy them at that stuff. Like I've done well at some of them, but for the most part, they're kind of looking, you know, for a deal. And, uh, with art, you know, you price them accordingly. And that doesn't always match up with what their expectations are. Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, unless you're doing like a production run of something, like a whole bunch of the same thing where you can, but yeah, not like I had like, I did like little thing. puzzles. So I had those little nail puzzles. And so I did those. And then I had like spoons that had like um, different kind of herbs on them for your seated like planners and stuff like that. So like I was trying to kind of make my price point lower. I think that's something that I'm probably not going to do. Uh, as much of because it was just kind of repetitive work I would you know and I'm an artist I'm not a crafter and so it was more so I just was like okay well that that was cool and that worked for that but I think I'm gonna kind of change it up this next summer yeah it makes sense you really have to decide like what you want to make you know and if you have the you do you have to have that honest conversation with yourself because you're like hey like am I Am I doing the craft stuff? Am I going to craft fairs and stuff like that and keeping my price point more at the craft level? Or am I going to try to, you know, get into galleries and get into different venues like that and ask, you know, have a higher price point, have those larger pieces. Like I did in my largest piece yet to date um, a couple months ago. And, you know, it's, it's three feet by three feet. So I'm not hoping to bring that you know every week to a different place because my stuff is rather fragile (laughs) so um that part of it too is it's like you know just the work of loading all your art up and making sure everything's packaged correctly so you know when you get there it's not broken um and so all that kind of goes into play too certainly do you work with 
different types of metals, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can work with way more types of metals, but I choose to kind of limit it. Um, currently I work in mild steel and copper are my two main, uh, medians. So, um, I'm curious, do you have other artists and stuff in your like local community that you're able to, you know, talk to and, you know, discuss? Oh yeah. Tons. Um, it, it where I live is a really cool little area and there are tons of local artists. And so, um, yeah, I've got friends who paint. I have friends who do felt art. I have friends who are big into clothing. So they do all natural dyes and stamps like that. They've carved by hand. Uh, I have a good friend who does fantastic jewelry. I mean, there is just, you name it. And then you got, it's nice because you can get into that market circuit with them and festival circuit with them. And you know, your booth mate, you know, the person next yeah. to you, you know, the person across <laughs> from you. And, um, you know, I've made friends just by doing a two day art event. And so we're comparing, Oh, what ones are you doing this, you know, summer, I'm going to do this and this. And well, I had great success at that one, but not as much there. And so having all those like local artists and being able to bounce, you know, ideas and stuff off of them is, is priceless. It really is. Yeah, for sure. Cause a lot of people I talk to don't necessarily have that local connection. And I'm always encouraging people to reach out and find them because there's definitely, you know, artists and other creative weirdos, like everywhere, everywhere you go, even everywhere. if it's not a big city, um, there's still people out there everywhere. and, you know, if you look, you can find them. <laughs> You know, I, and honestly, if you are an artist and you're looking to kind of find that group, the group is there. They're there, whether you know it or not, there is an artist group in your area. And I met them all through market stuff. And so it, even if you're not doing the market, if you just take a stroll through, they're all willing to talk to you. Every last one. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. I found that just, you know, if I was at like a, just our local farmer's market and I see people that are making mm -hmm. stuff, just talk, they, everybody wants to talk about, you know, their art and what they make. And, you know, if they find someone who's actually interested in, you know, how they made it that, you know, that's def they're there. They're certainly willing to talk about oh, it. Oh yeah. When someone actually comes up and wants to talk about my art, that's a rarity. And like the good conversation is like what I, what I love and you know, that's almost how I judge how well I do at a market is how much I've been able to converse with someone, not necessarily the bottom line. How many people came through my booth? How many people talked to me? How many people, you know, got my card for later commissions? Like, that's kind of what I'm judging, you know, my success on is, you know, how many people did I get to connect with? It's definitely a good reason to, you know, get out there and be in those markets, even if, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, your goal to be, you know, someone who just like banning a, a stall, like at a, a fair or whatever. I, um, there was one market where I made $20, I think that day, but I also made a connection with someone who, uh, hired me for private classes for them and six of their friends. So it's like, yeah, you know, like in, maybe the market wasn't great, but the outcome was fantastic. And it also, you know, I, I found she was a local blacksmith also. So that also got me into kind of that little like chapter of knowing, okay, well now I know some of the blacksmiths in the area and that was really cool. So you just, you never know, 
And that was a hard pill to swallow because, you know, if you walk away from a market and you made nothing, you feel awful. You're like, is my art that good? You start questioning yourself. Um, and so that was definitely a lesson I learned this year where I was like, no, you can't, you can't be disappointed because you never know what's going to come of it a week from now. Of course. I'm curious about that. So you, someone hired you for a private class. Like how did that, <laughs> that happen? Did what gave them the idea that you would be um, able to teach class? <laughs> so we got to talking and then I, you know, I was like, yeah, I just quit my job as a uh, high school welding teacher and they'd be like, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Have you ever taught adults? And I'm like, yeah, I've taught adults and blacksmiths are notoriously terrible welders. And so she w- she was like, well, I would love to actually learn to weld and all of my friends are in ag. And so their goats are always breaking their fences and tearing up stuff. And they're like, you know, they have plenty of metal stuff that if they just could tack weld it together or weld it together themselves, it'd save them hundreds of dollars. And so I loaded up the truck with my welders and headed out. They had like a shop that I set up in and, you know, they had six of their friends come in and it was just really fun. I spent three hours with them and got them just like a very basic MIG welding class, but it was enough for them to be able to know how to lay a bead, how to turn on the equipment, how to troubleshoot the equipment, how to use it properly. So it was enough where they just had those skill sets and like they want to do it again and they want to do plasma cutting next. So, you know, it's, it's really, it's a really cool thing then something that I really enjoy doing because I still get to teach. Yeah. That's cool. Do you think that that's something you'll explore in the future? Like maybe offering more regular classes or. Um, I would like to, it's so tricky because, um, as soon as you start doing like school or like, teaching stuff you have to have different licenses and stuff like that so um and different like liability stuff so i try to limit it as much as possible sure yeah if, if you're if someone else is hosting it yeah huh yeah and i'm and that's not to say like um we do have a local community college that it you know and that i've always kind of been like well maybe i could teach like a class a week that'd be kind of cool so <laughs> i might get back into it i don't know sure yeah it's just it's always your options I'm always absolutely, and that's the beautiful thing about welding is it gives you so many options. Because one of the things I'm, you know, again, mostly interested in is sculpture, and not necessarily, you know, going to a regular welding class. So I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> looking for opportunities to learn how to take just basic metalworking skills and you know build that into sculpture. I don't know what kind of sculpture I'm going to make, but I know that <laughs> I want to make something. You then you just have to start. Like, uh, that's the biggest, because everyone's like, oh, do you have, like, good advice to give? Like, uh, what's your advice? I'm like, start. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, just, you got, you just have to start and then you can figure it out. Like, that's kind of the beauty of the time we live in is if we don't know how to do something, we don't have to find someone who knows how. We just jump online and we can look it up. And you're like, okay, I mean, maybe it won't get you, you know, to a professional level or anything like that. But I promise you, you'll learn how to turn on a welder. <laughs> yep. And I promise you, they'll give you basic instruction on how to hold that welding gun. You know, it's like there's that's that's a cool thing about the age of the Internet in a small way. It is like we have access to be able to figure out new new skill sets every day. Absolutely. That's uh, definitely for sure. And one of the things that we were talking about uh, before we got started was that 
and I, I think this is, I think I'm right. Well, <laughs> you can correct me. Um, the, the person who, you know, recommended you for the teaching job in Oregon, you met online. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so Nate, he is, uh, Nate Bowman. He's a weld scientist. It's his tag on Instagram. And when I first got my fabrication job, I went and welding the brass, we were trying to figure out how to do it. And he, that's kind of what he does for, that's what he does for a living is he troubleshoots essentially. And, um, well, at the time, that's what he did. I'm, he's got a much more wide variety now. But at the time, that is what he did. And so he was helping me kind of walk through and figure out um, how to do it. And he and I just kind of, you know, things in common, struck up a friendship. And, you know, fast forward, gosh, three years, he had put me in for this job. And so that's how I wound up in Oregon was... <laughs> Because he called and talked to the principal and was like, I got the perfect person. That's amazing. So, <laughs> yeah. And so actually, I just saw him. He just came uh, came down the other week. So we got to talk welding some more. Oh, that's that's fun. That's actually pretty much how I've got most of my jobs was just, uh, you know, talking to someone and, you know, getting to know them. And then they're like, I think you might have skills for this job. And luckily all my jobs have been these weird jobs where I just do problem solving and it's not a, you know, like a, a regular corporate job. So. Yeah. I tell people all the time. Um, I'm like, give too much information. I know that sounds so weird. Doesn't <laughs> like it? But like it. when I meet people, I'm always like, my name is Chris. I'm a metal worker. I make art and I also weld. And it's like, I've gotten tons of jobs just by sitting there and being like, this is what I do for a living. I do it all the time. I bring it up almost every time I meet someone new. And maybe that's conceited of me. I don't know. But for me, it's just like, it's a way to get my name out there. Ah, it makes the worst perfect I can sense. Say is, yeah. The worst I can say is, oh, okay, cool. And move on <laughs> with the conversation, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, that is how you find uh, other people who, yeah, who either are interested in what you're doing or, you know, again, maybe they will able to give you a job or just, you know, just find out that they're also interested in sculpture or, you know, something similar and, you know, make a new friend that way. Absolutely. And, um, if, and I know, um, I don't know if you know, it's Craig from barefoot forge online, but he always said he, everyone he meets, he asks them if they uh, have an anvil. So that's how he finds all that. these, all these anvils, you know, that are, people are like, Oh yeah, I have this anvil. It's in my, you know, barn or whatever. <laughs> My grandfather had it and it's just sitting there. So, you know, finds and buys and sells a lot I'm of animals because of that. I'm stealing that idea. I'm going to yeah. start oh. asking everyone yeah. if they have an anvil because I'm like, I have yeah, a, every, everybody a should do it. one. <laughs> Anybody who needs an anvil. Oh, do you have should. an anvil? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, that worked out for me. I was um, one of my friends who he had done a bunch of you know, he had done forging and he had all a million different hobbies. So he had done forging before and he had an anvil. And then, so someone knew that he did metal work and they're like, Oh, I have an extra, I have an anvil and they gave it to him. So now he just has his anvil that he's tripping over in his garage. And <laughs> oh, good. so, you know, and then I was talking to him and I was like, yo, yeah, I've uh, wanted to build a forge. And I have one of my friends gave me, you know, a hand crank blower. And I'm like, okay, now oh, I'm going nice. to force to go with this, but I also need an anvil. And he's like, oh, I have an extra anvil just laying around. <laughs> so 
Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I wish somebody yeah. would have an extra anvil laying around around here. It's so I mean, hard I'm not to sure. Find this, I don't know what it is or it's not this. I don't think it's a priceless heirloom or, you know, 400 oh, pounds probably. or anything, but it's whatever. <laughs> if, it's, uh, if your your friend needs an anvil and you got one. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta I mean, my first my first anvil was a piece of railroad. Yep. Very common. I mean, it worked. It did its job. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so you got a job from, you know, just to talking to people and asking questions and mm-hmm. people who are interested in sharing what they what they know online. What made you first start sharing your artwork online? Was it was that the you know, just because you thought that that was a way to get out there and start, you know, getting your name out there? Ah, uh, my Instagram happened accidentally. <laughs> um, <laughs> it did. I so when I started going to welding school, I started posting just pictures of my welds and it just, all of a sudden it just kind of picked up and then it picked up some more. And then I got my fabrication job and picked up some more and I was showing pictures and videos of the different light fixtures and stuff I was making. And as I was doing that, I started kind of doing the at home stuff. And so I started sharing both and yeah, that's kind of how the art really took over the Instagram. It was originally, it was just more just about me and my daily life as being in the trades. And I was just kind of trying to be an advocate in the trades for women. Um, especially there's a lot of young women that I talked to that were in very rural areas where there were no other women in the trades. And so they were just too afraid to really take that leap and, and get into it. And so I did a, a lot of mentoring. I still do quite a bit of mentoring and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't notice that, you know, I don't know if you, you, you advertise that as one of your things or if just people reach out to you, <laughs> you know, and you No, it's just a natural people yeah. reach out to me and are like, Hey, I'd love to, I want to be an artist and, or, you know, I was thinking about going to welding school and that's kind of the more of the direction that, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I'm happy to talk to anybody. And so as soon as they reach out to me and kind of like, well, here's the situation and I don't know what to do about it. I'm like, well, we're going to figure this out right now, aren't we? And so, (laughs) you know, there's been, I've gotten, I've even gotten messages from girls on their first day of welding school. They're like, I'm just so overwhelmed. There's just so many men and I don't feel, I feel so out of place. And, um, you know, fast forward to six weeks later, however, you know, however long it takes in my welding school to them graduating and getting jobs. And it's really a cool thing. I really enjoy Instagram as that kind of networking experience for sure. Wow. That's, that's wonderful. I didn't, you know, again, like I said, I didn't know you were doing that. And then I'm glad you're able to you know, <laughs> have that experience and share like, you know, like your experience with other people to let them know that, you know, absolutely. It's possible. There's you know, I, <laughs> path out there for them. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I'm, it's just not something I, I, I advertise. I wouldn't know how to advertise that. It's more just like, um, you know, they stumble upon my page and find something in common with me. And then from there, they're just like, all right, I need advice. <laughs> so um, that was, uh, I've always enjoyed that part, um, being able to help people and kind of figure out, like, I still kind of, you know, if I have a piece of equipment, that I use every day that I really like, uh, I put it on blast, you know, I'm like, this is a good piece of equipment. It's affordable. You guys can use this. And I'm honest. If there's something that a company sends me and I don't like it, 
Um, I will tell you that I don't <laughs> like it. Um, I had a company that wanted to do, they sent me, gosh, like five grand worth of equipment. And they were sending a TV crew down to film me and do an entire like interview with me. Um, and I canceled because as soon as I got the equipment, I realized how bad it was. Oh no. And so I packed everything up and shipped it back to them. And I said, forget it. I'm not doing this because it was just, it wasn't anything I wanted that like my name associated with. And that is, you know, reputation, whether you like it or not, that's a big thing. And if I'm sitting there and I'm like promoting stuff, that's crap. (laughs) Like that's not going to help anyone. And so that I'm always very honest in that stuff. And, uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> no, I think it, that's, yeah, I mean, you could probably make money just selling random equipment, you know, or whatever, whoever people sent to you, you know, and advertising it for them. But that's, you know, you're not helping anyone, you know, and if you know that, you know, what you're really I mean, you're a, really lot, of the, a was, lot of welders, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, a lot of welders, they have the goal of having a sponsorship. Like that, that is like a lot of us do. We share that goal because it's like, that's so much equipment and it's so expensive and it's very hard to get a hold of sometimes. And so when you have that sponsorship, it's, it's amazing, but you're also required to post as this many times a week with that equipment. And you're, you know, like your name is officially associated with that company. And so you got to be picky. You have to be picky. You got to say, this is a great company. I, you know, their equipment is high quality or this is a terrible company and I don't, I don't want to represent them. And so I think that that is big on that front of being choosy. Yeah, definitely. Because again, like your goal is to, for people to be able to be successful and, you know, follow similar path, you know, that you had or whatever, whatever they want to do. So you don't want to just, again, you could be, if you want to be a, company spokesperson and that's your job but that's not really your job right <laughs> that's not my job that is not my job i am an artist and you know um i've i've just been very fortunate and being able to share my experience and people actually wanting to listen which still to this day shocks me but um i'm forever grateful for it oh well um, I thank you for sharing this, you know, what you're doing with me. Cause I'm, I've been doing this for almost two years and meeting all kinds of interesting people and, you know, who are able to get out there and, you know, do whatever kind of creative thing they have either. If they either do it part-time, they do it as a hobby or they do it as a full-time job. So it's, it's always inspiring to me and keeps me, uh, helps keep me creative too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, uh, again, thanks for hanging out with me today. Uh, where can people uh, find your work and see what you're up to? Yeah, so my uh, main way to find me is through my Instagram, which is Meltdown Metal Art. Um, I do have a website that you can hop on. It's MeltdownMetalArt.Square.Site. Cool. All right. And I want to take a second to thank the people over at Patreon who helped make the show happen especially my top patrons, Sean Beckner, Brian Callahan, and Ed Johns. 
If you're interested in supporting the show, you can get access to the after show where we have a little more conversation with our guest. And you can go to patreon.com slash making problems to solve. You can also follow the show on Instagram at making problems to solve. You can follow me on Instagram at Dave Bauer art. Uh, thanks a lot for talking to me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.